Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and today we will be joined by David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. But before we're joined by David, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. The cover of this issue is Tracy Bentley, the CEO of the Permian Basin Strategic Partnership. If you're familiar with that organization, you know that they have some of the major oil and gas operators in the Permian Basin underneath that association. And she is a dynamic lady doing a whole lot to better the Midland Odessa area. So it's a story you don't want to miss. Be sure to go to shale, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. You can find her story there. Again, it's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And you'll be able to read all about Tracy Bentley with the Permian Basin Strategic Partnership. So as you all are aware, OPEC Plus is meeting to discuss cuts, a very, very important topic. Later on in the show, David Blackman will be giving us his update of what happened in this meeting. So you don't want to miss this show. And now it's time for me to welcome on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show this week. But I want to switch gears and talk about ExxonMobil. Now, they announced that they were doing $10 billion of cuts in 2020 on their capital spending budget, which is actually the largest of any producers thus far. And most of it is really geared at the Permian Basin. And I guess my question is, if it's here in Texas, how much of an impact is this going to be for the entire economy here in Texas? Yeah, it'll be a big, big impact. Um, You know, we've had Many studies conducted uh, over the years uh, that indicate that every dollar of capital spending by an oil and gas company in Texas or anywhere else results in three to four dollars of additional economic impact um, down the line, you know, because oil and gas supports so many ancillary businesses, not just in the service industry, but restaurants and you you name it, gas stations, everything benefits from oil and gas activity. So, that, that is going to be a major blow to Texas economic activity. And of course, it's not just from ExxonMobil. They're just the biggest. But, you know, we've had probably the 80 to $100 billion in cuts in capital spending nationwide from the oil and gas industry announced over the last month and a half. And um, and so all of that resonates throughout the economy. And, and you know, you, you see it already. The comptroller is, is beginning to talk about the fact that uh, the Texas state budget, uh, when the legislature meets next January, the state budget's going to be in, in a deficit situation. And it's largely because of this, this major impact from the coronavirus and, uh, you know, and, and what was going, what's been going on with OPEC plus. So just a big deal. It's, it's bad for the Texas economy, a lot of lost jobs, a lot of lost economic development. I want to discuss quickly about, I have a a personal story that really impacts me in this way, which is kind of what led me to do what I do now for a living. And that is uh, way back when in my other life, in another career, uh, I did a lot of nonprofit executive management. 
And one of the things that I witnessed led me to how important oil and gas is for the state was when we had the comptroller come up with numbers again that we weren't going to balance the budget, which is required by state law. And um, at the time, we had Governor Perry. Governor Perry, across the board, required every state agency to get to re- to come up with a 20% budget cut across uh, the spectrum and it didn't matter if it was law enforcement uh, you know educators school districts it affected everyone um, and what I saw was some of the most vulnerable uh, programs cut for elderly right. um, disabled people and so my point is is that you know to all the naysayers who talk a lot about how they don't want oil and gas and keep it in the ground and it's so bad Right now that we have a pandemic, it's kind of, um, there's a lot of other things to be thinking about. But hopefully when we get back to normal, we as a state really think long and hard about really, does Texas really want to keep promoting, keep it in the ground? Because as they start seeing the next session roll out and things that are going to start happening, you know, bad things are going to start happening to the average Joe in Texas. This is where the oil and gas does come in and affect their lives. And most people don't realize that, and, and it does affect right. them. It, it does. It affects everybody in the state. And, you know, another aspect of, of the budget that it impacts is the state's rainy day fund, That's you know, right. which is there to help balance the budget in these bad times. Well, the rainy day fund is funded completely by the oil and gas severance tax, okay? And the, those tax collections are going to be going down, already have, and will be dramatically lower this year than they have been in past years. And so there's about a $9 billion balance in the rainy day fund. And that may not be enough, frankly, Mm -hmm. to balance the budget for the next two years. So uh, if, if, if this economic collapse is allowed to continue for, you know, for much longer here, you know, because it's a self-inflicted collapse, this is not an organic. That's true. This is something we have imposed upon ourselves to fight this virus. So, The faster we can get this economy back up and running, the, the quicker we'll all recover from this. But uh, right now, it's it's really having a major, major impact on Texas. Interesting. The EIA uh, projected this week that U.S. oil production is likely to drop by 2 million barrels per day um, as, of course, the price is crashing. But Commissioner Ryan Sitton, who does our energy minutes here for the show, uh, feels it's more like 4 million barrels that will yeah. be lost which do you feel is a more accurate estimate between Commissioner Ryan Sitton or the EIA? I'm going to have to go with Commissioner Sitton on this one. I I uh, think that, you know, EIA last week, uh, a week ago, their estimate was 1 million barrels a day, and this week it's 2 million barrels a day by the end of the year. Uh, frankly, I think Commissioner Sitton is looking at this more realistically. The EIA, you know, they're very conservative in what they do. Uh, what we need to realize is that the rig count is currently dropping. Uh, the, the, the cut in ExxonMobil's budget is just an example. Uh, that's going to be a lot less drilling, uh, a lot less wells being drilled. And uh, producers are having to go ahead and temporarily shut in wells uh, that we're already producing because they can't find uh, a market for the oil right now. The, the demand has crashed so significantly and so, um, you know, a lot of this will be temporary. The wells will be shut in until demand comes back. China's already restarting its economy. You know, several European countries are moving this week to restart their economies. So, so as, as demand ramps back up, a lot of that production will be uh, 
Bob back online, and Commissioner Sitton's estimate was over the next three months, four million barrels a day is going to be lost. And I think, I think frankly, he's he's probably a lot closer to the right number than the EIA is. Well, you know, I guess depending on how fast the it comes back, tell me a little bit about what you think. So, so our so our listeners understand when this comes back. If it takes longer. Then um, when we go into session next year and they have a whole bunch of bills that have fiscal notes attached to them or school districts want more money or law enforcement need more money, what starts happening to those specific areas if this takes longer and if we continue to see oil prices continuing to drop and not stabilize? Well, it, it um, you know, it just gets worse and worse if this becomes any kind of a permanent thing. Uh, then, you know, uh, so many companies are going to be going out of business. I mean, there, there will be bankruptcies everywhere. Um, a lot of companies, you know, we have to, to understand we're already struggling uh, with prices in, in the $40 range, uh, 40 to $50 range. Now we're sitting at 25 Hopefully that goes up, you know, in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, but but these companies are already struggling at, at, at the prices uh, before all this happened. So you're going to see a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of lost jobs, and that's going to impact, you know, like we said earlier, it's just going to impact everything through, throughout the whole economy. And uh, One of the things that so, I saw was that there will be no new added teachers and certainly no salary increases. Um, it'll just remain flat until we start seeing this reverse and so it uh, could lead into a very ugly two years as well you know so those are some of the things that um, have an impact on the state uh, even if you're not in oil and gas Um, and so that's what I I keep trying to say is that oil and gas whether you think it affects you or not it does and this is not a good thing for any of us here in Texas when we get back from break I want to cover the Texas Railroad Commission because there's a lot going on that front as well you're listening to an oil patch radio show and we'll be right back I'm Tracy Bentley, the CEO President of the Permian Strategic Partnership, an alliance of 19 energy companies located in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. For the first time in history, our companies have come together with one goal in mind, supporting our community. In 2019, our first full year of existence, we committed more than $30 million to support six major initiatives, built partnerships with dozens of community stakeholders, and help secure an additional $1 billion in state and federal funding for roadway improvements in the Permian Basin. By partnering with local leaders, we will continue to work hard to make roads safer, improve schools, upgrade health care, increase affordable housing, and train the next generation of workers. Because we don't just work here, we live here, and neighbors are supposed to help each other out. For more information, go to permianpartnership.org. Permian partnership.org. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch radio show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth. 
and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true 3- and 6-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, um, before the break, we were kind of covering things that are happening at an OPEC level, what's happening out in Permian Basin. And there's a lot swirling around the Texas Railroad Commission as well. Uh, Last week, we covered that uh, Parsley Energy and Pioneer Natural Resources had requested a meeting specifically with the Railroad Commission. So the Railroad Commission now is holding a hearing Tuesday to consider whether to implement restrictions on oil production here in Texas. Now, in light of that decision uh, made by OPEC, plus in the countries how do you think the that you know they're going to move forward do you, do you think this is a good idea or a bad idea for the state well you know given a week I, i've gone back and forth on this to be honest with you a week ago I, my mindset was that you may need to do this so that the united states becomes a real contributor to supply reduction globally right right um and, and the only legal mechanism we have in this country is for regulators at the state level, like the Railroad Commission, the Industrial Commission in North Dakota, and several other states, to, you know, impose limits on wells in their own states. Uh, the federal government simply doesn't have the authority to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, as this week has gone on, and, and we're we're all beginning to digest the magnitude. Uh, just the market-based reductions that are going to take place here in the coming few months, that aspect of it uh, really kind of goes away. The United States is going to make a major contribution to global supply reduction, okay? The problem with that, though, leaving it strictly up to the market, is most of that reduction is going to fall on the shoulders of independent producers, Yep. Because independent producers drill and produce most of the wells in this country. And they're going to be the least able to continue production uh, just due to financial conditions. And they're going to be less able than the major oil companies will be to keep their wells pumping. And so, unfortunately, without government in- intervention, it's disproportionately going to impact small independent producers in particular. So that's the argument really that the commissioners have to figure out here you know that that is what pioneer and parsley have brought to them do they want this to be an orderly process or do they want 
the market to simply govern this. And, and we'll see on Tuesday what they decide. Right. Well, you know, that's kind of what has been discussed in the town hall meetings with President Trump, too. Some of the reporters inquiring about OPEC and uh, OPEC Plus are requesting that is the United States going to step up to this as well. Part of it is because as prices start recovering, North America shell producers have been quick to fill the pipeline. And so therefore, you know, Russia and Saudi can't really go anywhere with this. And so um, right. they've asked discussions, uh, too. On, I mean, they've asked President Trump, where are you sitting in this? And, and will you, you know, look at that as well? But I, th- I think that I, I don't know if you were at a Texoga, I'm sorry, not a Texoga, TIPRO uh, conference a couple of years back. And the uh, keynote speaker was Harold Hamm. And it's so right. strange to listen to him three or four years ago when he was bringing this to everyone's attention that at some some point uh, we keep drilling ourselves back into low oil prices and uh, what can we do about it? And while he didn't really have an answer for it, he was, of course, bringing it into question. And it seems like the, the time has arrived now to where what he said a couple of years ago is, is definitely coming into play. You know, and, and, and that was really very forward-looking. Mm-hmm. I actually, along about that same time, wrote a piece in Shell Magazine discussing whether or not the commission should be considering that, doing this at that time for those exact reasons. Uh, because you could see this train wreck coming right. two years ago, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it, the industry uh, has been able to go through this boom over the last two and a half years precisely because OPEC and Russia have entered into that limitation, export limitation deal for two and a half years. and But that was inevitably going to fall apart at some point. Right. And that's what happened in early March. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so when you make yourself dependent on countries like Russia and Saudi Arabia being rational actors, uh, you're really taking a very high risk. And, and so we've seen the results of that here over the last six weeks. Um, so, you know, uh, again, the commission, it, it, the other side, the other thing we have to all think about where the railroad commission is concerned, too, is that it, it is, its computer systems, number one, are not the most state-of-the-art. Right. Uh, Texas, there are 200,000 oil wells in the state of Texas. This would be a very complex thing for them to try to do uh, on a well-by-well basis. And they, they, they're always hurting for staff at the Railroad Commission. The Railroad Commission simply is really not staffed in a way to handle what would be a massive amount of additional work. So if they do decide to go down this road, they're going to have to figure out, you know, how they're going to pay for additional computer resources and additional staff to administer a program of of prorationing. Um, And I just think it's, it's really going to be a very difficult decision. I'm I'm frankly glad I'm not one of the commissioners having to make it. Right. Well, we're getting ready for a break, but when we return, I want to stay on this topic because there have been some uh, big oil associations here in Texas that have uh, supported uh, more of the Exxon Mobiles and the big companies, and then, of course, there's the independents. You know, when Shell Magazine did the cover of Pioneer uh, Natural Resources, Scott Sheffield and his son, Brian, with Parsley Energy, both of these uh, CEOs are very, very seasoned. And so, you know, I want to I want us to talk about why are they on the opposite ends of the spectrum? 
and uh, what that means. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. David, uh, before the break, we were kind of discussing the different opportunities or positions that the Texas Railroad Commission might be taking here next week pertaining to should they regulate a little bit more the oil and gas sector. Um, and uh, this uh, week also, in, in past weeks, we've had some discussion coming in from some of the uh, industry's biggest lobbying groups that typically tend to represent the big integrated companies. Um, and one of the associations wrote in a statement that they believe that the market-based reductions in production that are already taking place um, is enough and that limiting production from the Texas Railroad Commission is just not necessary. But uh, I want you to talk a little bit about these are the large integrated that they drill all over the world and then we have North American shell producers that are the independents the uh, pioneer natural resources the parsley energy and there's 730 more of those independents that provide most of the wells here in Texas what is the difference between an association like the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers that specifically lobby for the little guy and then these larger associations that are lobbying for the big integrated companies. What's your position on uh, who's right and who's wrong? And uh, should our small independents be rushing to join the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers so their voice is heard, potentially? Well, yeah, I, I encourage any independent producer to join the alliance. Uh, it's a great association. Um and does great work on behalf of independent producers. I, yeah, yeah, we do have a bifurcation. Uh, you know, in Texas, first of all, has five major trade associations here in this industry. There's, there's Texas Oil and Gas Association, which, you know, uh, represents the major oil companies and big independents and has a lot of the smaller independents also as contributing members. Uh, you have the Texas Alliance, which which has, I, I believe, upwards of 5,000 members, 
they're virtually all independent producers. Uh, TIPRO, Texas Association of Independent Producers and Royalty Owners, is also uh, an independent focused trade association. You have the Panhandle Producers and Royalty Owners Association up in Amarillo, and you have the Permian Basin uh, Producers Association there in, in uh, Midland that, that represents the producers out in the Permian. And and so they all, you know, they're all representing their own memberships. And, yes, the, the business interests of independent producer, like, let's, let's just use Parsley and Pioneer Resources, both companies are exclusively Permian Basin focused, right? They're, they're independent producers. They don't have pipelines. They don't own refineries. They produce the oil, and they sell it at the wellhead generally or at a market center. Uh, along the way on the pipeline. And, and where in ExxonMobil and Chevron and BP and Shell, they're fully integrated. So they own their own production, they own pipelines, they own refineries, and they're able to, to take that production from cradle to grave all the way to, to retail gasoline stations, you know, and, and retail their oil products. So their business interests are different and an independent producer's business interests. And, and because of this, the, the price of the commodity is a much bigger factor on an independent producer's business ability to remain in business than it is on an integrated company where, you know, when the price of, of the feedstock is very low for a refiner, well, they're, they're refining into the business tends to become more profitable when commodity prices are lower. And even though their production into the business is not as profitable, the, the refinery makes up for it. And that's, frankly, the reason why these companies become fully integrated. And, and so, yeah, it creates this tension between the trade associations. So you'll see Texoga have one position on what the Railroad Commission is considering doing. And, and, and you know, the, the Alliance and TIPRO and the other trades probably are going to have a different position on it. Which is because a great divide, right? Which is a great divide that's going on in between the independent producers and like the ExxonMobil who publicly came out and weighed against us with RRC. When we get back from break, I want to get back on that topic you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. David, before the break, we were discussing the whole position of where the Texas Railroad Commission, they, they kind of seem like they're stuck in between 
the majors and the independents in this tug of war, this great divide going on between the industry itself. ExxonMobil has uh, come out publicly against the Railroad Commission cutting any kind of production, yet a lot of the very, very well-respected independents have been uh, pushing and actually asked for this meeting with the Railroad Commission. So the great divide that's going on, um, you know, you've got that uh, and you've got the commissioners. There's, There's not just can they cut? There's also other tools um, that they have as well, like uh, Commissioner Christy Craddock encouraged the Texas Comptroller's Office to extend filing deadlines on the oil and gas tax payments, if you will, to help the producers weather the storm. Is that possible? And so where do you think the Railroad Commission is? I, I kind of feel like they're fighting between two different sets of children, you know, <laughs> just like... Right, they are, and, 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 and that's exactly the problem, because you have an industry that can't even agree among itself, right? Right. And so, when you look at it, the commission hasn't moved to limit production in Texas since 1973, you know, 47 years ago, almost half a century since they've even considered doing this, really. And this is why. This illustrates why, because you... You, you, you can't make everybody happy. Right. You can't make everybody happy, and, and, and these are public office holders, and they're getting pulled in all different directions. And at the same time, the, the fact that the industry can't agree among itself makes it a lot more difficult for the federal government to take any action to help this particular industry. Mm-hmm. Because, because members of Congress and the president, again, the president had that meeting with, with executives from, you know, with Harold Hamm was there and executives mm-hmm. from ExxonMobil and Philip 66 and several other companies. And so the president's sitting there asking them, what, well, what would you like me to do? And he's getting all these different answers. So even the president can't really figure out what it is the industry needs in terms from any assistance from the government. But one of the most and, respected gentlemen in the industry, Scott Sheffield, uh, alluded yeah. to for the meeting that on, a, on an interview he did with MSNBC, I think, he said that if something doesn't happen quickly, we could lose close to 63 independent operators, leaving maybe yeah. 10 operators for the whole entire United States. And I can just see all kinds of issues with that, with negotiation problems, with, um, you know, you get less, you lose a lot of negotiating opportunities. So not to mention all of the um, unemployment we'll see, uh, lost revenue. And this is dramatic if Scott Sheffield is it right. Is. And so I, well, I, I'm i trying to figure if out. If you think about that, Go ahead. If, if you think about that, if he is right, then the American industry ends up looking an awful lot like Russia's mm-hmm. oil and gas industry, which is about you know, a dozen or so oligarchs with their own companies doing doing all the oil and gas business in that country. Well, I'm not really sure you, you want an American industry that looks anything like Russia's industry. And so it's it's a really valid point he's making. Right. And I think the most interesting thing as well on that is the fact that, you know, these operators of the independents are primarily just drilling in the United States, and they're not drilling all over the world. And that does change uh, when you're drilling all over the world because you're a large integrated company. They're great companies. I'm not trying to portray them as not being great companies. Just they're going to be a little bit different. They're going to see things differently than American independent operators. Uh, And they only have, you know, one set of rules that apply to them versus, uh, you know, we see a lot of these independents. I I mean, a lot of the integrated companies focusing on um, 
shareholders and what do they want versus you don't really see a lot of that in independence. So there's just a big difference. Uh, and let's go back to the commissioner, Christy Craddock, uh, her encouraging the comptroller's office to file an extension on the oil and gas tax payments. Is that how much is, right. will that help the industry, do you think? Well, I, it, it would help uh, temporarily, very temporarily, for a month or so with, with companies' cash flow. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that's happening right now, one of the reasons that uh, you see so many people being laid off is companies are simply running out of cash and having a hard time accessing credit uh, just because of the, the collapse in prices. And so it would, you know, potentially give companies a 30 to 60 day, a little bit of breathing room for 30 to 60 days. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to pay the taxes. Um right. But so it's kind of a half measure that, that gives companies a little breathing room. And you hope in the meantime that uh, we're able to begin restarting our economy and creating more demand for the production uh, for the longer term relief. So, you know, it's, a, it's a certainly a valuable idea and a, and a good thought from, from Commissioner Craddock, but it's not a, you know, it's not a panacea for anyone. Let's switch gears real quick and talk about two Texas senators, John Cornyn and Ted Cruz. They're co-sponsoring a bill that would authorize the federal government to spend up to $3 billion to completely fill the strategic petroleum reserves um, at the low prices today. Do you think that this is, one, a smart thing to do, um, and also that Democrats in Congress are refusing to allow this to to be included in the stimulus bill? So why are the Democrats opposed to this? Yeah, because <laughs> kind of they're opposed to everything, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, if you have oil and gas, and President Trump's or Cornyn or Cruz are in favor of it, they're going to oppose it. Basically, I mean, it's just a, purely a political football. And, but it uh, is so smart to be doing it. You buy cheap oh, to sure. sell high. You know, that's just basic economics. Yeah. And uh, boy, they're defining the like, law of economics. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, we have 250 million barrels uh, of of excess capacity right now in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's, you know, that is there to as a as a national security measure mm-hmm. to protect our country. And you know, if you ever end up in a in a big war and oil flows from overseas get interrupted, we've got basically 90 days of supply in that Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserve. And you would think. Congress, uh, in its infinite wisdom, would want to keep that thing as full as possible. And so to do that, you want to buy the oil when it's very cheap. And here we are. So, um, you know, but uh, unfortunately, politics uh, intrudes on literally everything in our society these days. And that's a very sad thing. I couldn't agree with you more, David. We're going to get ready for break. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show. And we'll be right back. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link 
Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210 210- 2407188. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, when we were on break, we had some breaking news about the meeting that was happening between Saudi Arabia, Russia, the OPEC Plus meeting, and if they were going to be uh, cutting uh, oil. So tell me, uh, you have an update, so let's discuss what happened in that meeting, and let's break it down. So so OPEC... uh and, and the uh, other countries, Russia, Brazil, Canada, and other non-OPEC countries did meet Thursday in Vienna on an emergency uh, meeting uh, to consider what to do about the, the massive crash in oil prices. Mm-hmm. As it turned out, they agreed to cut 10 million barrels of oil per day in production uh, by those countries. If you combine that with the anticipated reduction in the United States production of three to four million barrels a day, as we were talking about earlier, right? You're, you end up taking roughly 13 to 14 million barrels a day off the market. So my view is that's not nearly enough. Um, I think the, the OPEC plus group needed to be willing to cut more like 15 to 20 Each. million barrels a day. Well, like for Saudi Arabia and, then, and Russia, so it'd be closer to like right, 30 million. Because, right, because we've, we've had a reduction in demand globally of 25%, which is 25 million barrels per day. Um, and to, to just cut 10 million barrels a day off the market still leaves you with one of the biggest oil gluts we've ever seen in history. So I, I think the, the likelihood is that over the the next week we're going to see the market frankly respond pretty negatively to this um and oil prices will continue to fall i don't i just don't think this this action doesn't really do anything real to resolve the issue now the other side of that is if as i i think the president has been signaling all week if we begin to open up the u.s economy beginning the second half of april through the month of May, um, 
and demand begins rising fairly quickly because China is already restarting its economy, then you could see the other side of that big glut begin to disappear fairly rapidly. And, and, and that, combined with this 10 million barrel a day reduction by OPEC+, Plus, you could end up rebalancing the market and seeing prices begin to rise again by the summer. Uh, you know, that's an optimistic outlook on it. Well, um, and, and I try to be an optimist. <laughs> good. What about the tariffs? Any chance that uh, they keep asking President Trump, are we going to slap yeah. tariffs on uh, with the cut now? Uh, do you see that happening as a way of trying to also? So right now they basically put a Band-Aid on it being more cautious. Of, Let's wait and see when the economy start opening back up. What about the tariffs? And then does this change the position with the Texas Railroad Commission on their meeting next week? You know, I, I, I don't think it uh, changes the the, the uh, calculation the Railroad Commission has to do okay. because they can either take a short-term view or a long-term view. This, the short-term view is we're going to lose all this production on market based on what the market, you know, forces mm-hmm. temporarily, and then it's all going to come back when demand comes back. The problem with that approach is it still leaves you completely dependent on this OPEC plus deal. It leaves our industry in the United States dependent on what irrational actors like Saudi Arabia and Russia are going to do in the future. Or they could take the long-term view and say, you know what, we really need to kind of have an orderly process here in Texas. And we as the Railroad Commission, it's our duty to prevent waste of the state's resource at these ridiculously low prices. And so we're going to take the long-term view and try to manage this. So I, I still think that equation is still there. Um, on the tariffs, you know, so much, and we're just going to have to take a look this week at how President Trump reacts to all of this. If he's happy with the OPEC plus action in Saudi Arabia, then I think you will see him not do anything on tariffs. But, but the reality is that we still have a situation in which both Russia and Saudi Arabia aggressively attacked one of our country's most important industries. And there needs to be some price extracted for that by the United States government from those two countries. And uh, it wouldn't shock me, frankly, if the president decided it was justified to implement a tariff on Saudi and Russian oil imports into the United States, but not related imports from other countries um you know but but i can't predict that i can't you know frankly i'm not prescient enough to know how the president's going to react but i certainly think there is ample justification for him to do something well it seems like we're also living in an era where countries that have somewhat acted in bad faith typically tend to get away with it and this president is more of Let's hope the buck stops here and now. And so with a lot of the discussion going off topic, that China is going to get a bill. Um, They were bad actors. Uh, The uh, WHO is having their funds cut, as well as potentially Russia and um, Saudi Arabia also being smacked with tariffs. You know, maybe it starts a discussion of maybe you guys, your countries should get it together uh, and stop. Uh, acting in bad faith when you're talking about the world and world issues. Just my little humble opinion. Uh, (laughs) But it would be nice to see that because, you know, just like as a parent, you do 
when you get after your child for bad behavior, it typically tends to fix that. So I'll give you the last words. What's your opinion? Well, I, I, absolutely. Your point on China, I think, is, is particularly well taken. I There has to be. China didn't only attack the United States with this virus through its government's dishonesty. It attacked the entire world. And, and frankly, uh, any country who doesn't believe that there needs to be a price to be paid for that kind of behavior is not protecting its own people. We, we in the United States need to become an awfully lot less reliant on China for anything. Well, that's the good news um, is we're seeing that yeah. happening as we speak. And for God's sake, yeah. they need to shut down those wet markets. I mean, I just thank God there are some yeah. elected officials <laughs> I think there were more of the Republican Party. Uh, Lindsey Graham got uh, was interviewed Ted on. Cruz. Uh, yes, they're like this needs to stop, or we'll have every pandemic that keeps coming out. Rather, it was um, SARS or um, the swine flu, whatever. It keeps coming out of China, and it keeps coming out of those wet markets. So, yeah. how long do yeah. we have to keep doing this until we understand this is the problem? Uh, is these wet markets and they need to do something about it. David, thank you for joining me today on the show. I look forward to having you back next week, which I'm sure we'll be able to now really cut into what's going on between the Texas Railroad Commission and OPEC. Until next week, thank you for joining me on the show. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.